0: Hello listeners, you're listening to the Super Week, Super Weekly, Supercast.
1: I'm one of your hosts, Evan. And I'm also one of your hosts, Doc Chris Baglevo Bag.
2: And I'm also one of your hosts, Andrew Wilson. And I am also one of your hosts, Mikey, Paul,
3: Jonathan Davis, Tajan.
1: Hell yeah. Wow, that's the only time I've heard it be Mikey Paul
3: instead yeah, I know. of Michael Paul. I know, that's the first time I ever did it too, but I didn't know what I was doing.
1: It's a little behind-the-scenes action for the listeners out there.
0: How'd you guys think our first intro went? Nobody really knew what we were
1: doing. Yeah, show of applause.
2: I feel like if it was a gig, oh, we, we'd get an 8 out of 10.
1: Oh, hell yeah. That's better than usual. That's Good pitch not bad. Work review. And I'm, and I'm yeah. hoping
2: to uh, to get that number up.
0: You know, I feel like by the second or third time, we're going to get a 20 out of 10. I love this song. Maybe four <laughs> times. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Some classic Mikey Tashin humor. Okay, so I guess I'll let you guys know why we're here today. We are a band called The Super Weeks. We are four good buds from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who occasionally played music together. Uh, granted, it's no, been yeah, a few no one years. No one's doing
1: that right now either. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but,
2: if you guys don't know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It is October 19th, 2020.
1: Yeah, for all of our future listeners who are, are delving into the time capsule right now, this uh, is this is a, in the, the heat of the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: And just so everyone else knows, this will air on October 30th, which is my Hopefully. brother Corey would, would have been my brother Corey's 27th birthday who's
1: good at math uh none of us we all count to four for a living oh, i feel like I, yeah, I feel
0: like i should know yeah <laughs> yeah Well, if he was born in 1993 Five years. that sounds like there's a seventh <laughs> going on there 20
1: yeah that'd be his 27th birthday
0: i should ask oliver they have the same birthday
1: <laughs> or ask a calculator or we can just keep moving <laughs> anyway let
2: me ask you this how old is oliver right now oh it's a
1: great question
2: do you
0: know
1: I think he's 26 currently and he'll be 27 Great. on the D- on the Dito. Day.
2: But he,
3: you know, he could have a late birthday, late in the year.
1: We know the day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh god. I missed you guys. Could have an early birthday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, mixing it up,
0: yeah. Oh boy. Anyway, I wanted to gather everybody here to celebrate Uh, the life of my brother, who was a member of this band for a period of time. Actually, since the very beginning, he's kind of been a part of it.
1: Yeah, he played on the first... Well, since we were officially a band on Lamo, he played on the first EP. He played guitar on it. Mm -hmm. But he was primarily our our bass player for uh, his his run in the band.
0: Yeah. You know, I wanted to bring everyone together to just, you know, reminisce on his life. You know, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things, the... uh, it just is life and his time in the band and you know maybe
1: was that a veiled like spaghetti western reference you pick the good the bad and the ugly things
0: uh you know i can occasionally make references to movies i haven't seen
1: yeah oh, okay then right so I, I thought you were a secret eastwood head
0: no uh one time i bought a dvd set of westerns when i was on tour cuz you know you could stop at pilots and like get DVDs there and uh you know the Joyce Manor van at that time had a DVD player and I bought a box set of like 40 westerns and they all sucked and I fucking don't like westerns but you, you watched all 40? no I tried to watch a lot of them but I was just like man nothing's happening in
1: this oh, okay yeah so you could just like kind of figured from there the rest you know, of them were all trash yeah <laughs> Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, maybe westerns don't suck, and I don't know why I'm getting so off topic. Well, you
1: love—it's but... uh, because I started talking. I'm, that, that's exactly what I do. But you love Seven Samurai and like Yojimbo and stuff, right?
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't consider those—you uh, know—westerns.
1: Well, right. Well, they're easterns, but uh, the westerns always rip—they rip those off like directly. Like uh, Fistful of Dollars, I think is supposed to be Yojimbo directly, and yeah, then The that. Magnificent Seven is Seven Samurai. Just Are just they saying.
3: Clint easterns?
1: There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was beautiful. Yeah,
0: anyway, um, my brother Corey Bernard was wonderful. We lost him, unfortunately, back in 2016. I just kind of wanted to get everyone together and talk about him. talk, Remember, you know, all that stuff and talk about, I don't know, maybe what happened to us after his death. Because he died four days before we got Better Heavens Mastered. So mm-hmm. he never actually got to hear the finished product of that record. And uh, he was a big part of it. Huge. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah,
1: indelible. I mean, like, just the jam at the end of. Junkie's Gone to Heaven, the last song on mm-hmm. the record was like was thinking that Yeah, it's a lot of a lot yeah. of his ideas and a lot of his experimentation that went into that. And
0: it's nice, you know, I feel like for me that record I don't know, I kinda remember him through that. Like it's really it's a really nice send off at the end of the record, just like Corey loved jam bands and loved to jam and uh And he loved
1: noise Rock it's it's a lot of noise.
0: And it's you know, it's nice that the last four minutes of that record are essentially him like jamming out on bass and like writing a bunch of cool guitar parts you know when we were in the studio and working on that he was like I got this let me let me take the end of this one and we were like alright I, I do
1: remember him though, recording the bends uh, there's like one of the many like there's like probably like 30 layers of oh, stuff yeah. on that and just like him just like looking upset while he was doing it and then just like running his fingers through his hair at, at the end of it and he was just like yeah I guess I don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well you know I'm happy With how it turned out And it's probably one of my favorite moments On that whole, whole record Especially his like You know he kept it together Because uh, the way we tracked Better Heavens Was we were all tracking live In the studio uh, We all had eaten a lot of magnesium chews and
2: um... Yeah yeah, we were <laughs> farting like crazy
0: <laughs> oh my God. And uh, you know we were all very regular And uh, we were all <laughs> Smoking a lot of weed, uh, which I normally don't do, but for whatever reason, that whole recording session we were all very high. Oh, you're right. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> <that was> awesome. <laughs> it was well because we tra- That's the first time we ever like for one of our records like tracked all the backing tracks live. live. Yeah, because usually we would do like one track along with Mikey doing the drums, but we specifically. There's actually great video footage of us if we can unearth that somehow. Of us playing, I, I
2: recorded all of it. I still got it. I'm
1: trying to think of the what was the one clip that we posted. Was it Oh God? No, mm. uh, but I just yeah, remember I a, watching I have, that. I
2: have a whole music video for Oh God. Yeah, there cool. you
1: go. And I was just like, Yeah, this is this is a band. Like this is cool because like before that, that's that's also our only record so far where it's just our live band playing the you know the doing the recording. Because before it was always that rotating cast yeah. of characters, mm. and
0: that's kind of what we wanted to do on that record, and that's mm-hmm. why. You know, that moment at the end of Junkies where, you know, Corey's been vamping on that riff for three and a half minutes. And like at the very end of it, he finally breaks away from the riff that he's just holding. He's a bass player, he's just holding it down. And he finally breaks away and starts doing like bass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just starts doing this great bass lead stuff. And it just made me so happy. You know, like it. I could just like I can visualize him doing it right now, and it's just like such a. It brings a smile. Like it was such a a great feeling, like to watch him just finally just like go for it. Because you know he was timid when he we were working on stuff together. He was shy. He was afraid. Well,
1: he was like, what's the age difference between us and him? It's like six five, years. Six years. Okay, yeah. So I I always had that feeling with him. Like he always felt like he was everyone's. Kind of younger brother, and he always had to prove himself, but he also didn't want to like rock the boat too much, which is kind of wild to say. If for everyone who, who knows him, generally in his life, what he loved to do was <laughs> constantly rock the boat and push people's buttons, but in the, the band, like he didn't want to like overstep things generally. I remember him being kind of uh, well, he was shy. He it's like a lot yeah. of people
0: that I play with, you know, if they even me, like when I started playing with people who I greatly like respected and was just like oh my god i can't believe i get to play music with these people i don't want to fuck up i'm afraid to fuck up and it's like i know Corey felt that and like when we were tracking it was just like great for him to just like let loose and like there's a moment of being just like purely just himself like letting himself loose and it's just like it was it's nice to hear and it's a nice note to end that record on Mm -hmm. if i'm feeling real down or missing him a lot i like to put that song on Just because I'm like, damn, this is—it's nice to listen to. It's one song I wanted to put at the end of this podcast. There's a song. It's kind of like pre the Super Weeks, maybe or the Weeks, uh, maybe a little bit before or after, sometime. um, Our friend, who I played in many bands with, Corey played in bands with. His name was Poncho. Poncho George Bucci. He played uh, with milk a little bit too. Yeah, he was an amazing keyboard player. Mm-hmm. And he unfortunately passed away. You know, I think he was the same age as Corey. I think he was 22. He was a good friend of ours. And Corey and Nick and I wrote a song commemorating him uh, called Pegasus. And the band name for that was A Winterbeam Skyrocket because that was the name he, Poncho, named his bowl a winter beam skyrocket. (laughs) And, uh, we always thought that was an amazing name. So we wanted to keep him alive. But like that song, uh, Corey wrote the bass riff and I played bass on it and Corey did all the, like the lead guitar work. And it's like, I love listening to that too. Like, I don't know when he wasn't afraid to be creative or like show people. And believe me, he more often than not, wasn't afraid to be like, this is how this is going to go you're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> or, you know, you're like, oh, I don't really know. Which, like, you know, when we worked on songs together, it'd be like, this is the bass part that I wrote for it. And it's like, well, you know, maybe listen to what Mikey's doing on the drums just a little bit more. And, like, maybe you guys can figure something out. And he's like, no, this is how it goes. And you're like, oh, maybe. And then, you know, we'd get into a big argument over it. And then he'd be like, fine, I'm just going to take this riff and make my own song with yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: but as much as y'all like bump heads about stuff i feel like how he like took his position in the band and everything is just like you know he like definitely looked up to you and respected you as his big brother
0: sure i mean he looked up and respected all of us but even though he looked
3: down to us
0: yeah he was much he was bigger than us. Him, oh man. yeah
1: for yeah those who didn't know him personally he was six three is that right six three six four yeah a and riot. i'm yeah, yeah and i'm i'm five six so like i i did my best to like Not for any personal reasons, but just simply for the height differential to not stand next to him on stage (laughs) too frequently, to not draw attention to myself.
2: Yeah, he definitely commanded a presence on stage.
1: One of my favorite moments on stage was, um, I don't remember where we were playing, Wilson, but... Double happiness. He, Double happiness. Double happiness. Oh, it was that same place? He, he, he was roughing
2: with me. He was really knocking me into <laughs> the yeah, wall. Yeah, for the listener,
1: he just like slammed into Wilson and crushed him against the wall, like full body, like linebacker style, slammed him. And uh, fortunately, Jess Flynn got that photo of you right at that exact moment. <laughs> yeah. Wilson is a much better sport than most, we, we and so he was laughing. smiling through. it. Yeah, they're definitely they're having a good laugh at it. But
2: I, I appreciate that. I used to roughhouse with my brother growing up, so it felt like my brother was roughhousing me on stage, and it was it was nice.
0: And I loved that, man. I loved that he had that ability to roughhouse on stage, and like he would, you know, when we yeah. played that show with Taking Back Sunday and Frankie Arrow, it was like Frankie Arrow. Shouted him out and was like, "How about that bass player from from the Super Weeks? And it's like,
1: "Well, that's one of my favorite memories that night when we were doing our sound check." Was after Taking Back Sunday and Frank Garrett finished their sound checks, and then we got up there, and all of uh, I mean, I don't know who who was from what because They're so far away, but there was like a line of at least ten of them from those two bands who sat down and listened to Corey get his sounds for the show because like he just you know in true Corey fashion has his three by fifteen Emperor cab, which is like the heaviest cab that we've ever <laughs> taken anywhere for any reason and
0: it wouldn't not come with us yeah it wasn't allowed to not come there's so.
2: there's no other way to get the sound tone tone was really important regardless still of size. important
0: i wish i could only play out of that cab for the rest of my life it's the best one
1: yeah and i mean and, you know frankie arrow and crew felt the same way i mean they sat and just listened to him get his bass sound for a show
0: oh i i Love it! Yeah. I love his bass tone. It was amazing. It
1: was amazing, yeah, dude. Growing up, for y'all
0: who don't know, when Corey was like three years old, I was like maybe nine, and in the Boy Scouts, and I was like doing the Boy Scout popcorn thing. You're in the Boy Scouts, when I was like out delivering popcorn or whatever, you know, we went to one house, and like my very tiny brother was with me, and uh, we the family opened the door, and a dog came out. And like, tackled Corey and like, bit his cheek off. Not off, but like, bit his cheek seriously that they had to go to the hospital. And, you know, Corey had to have like facial reconstructive surgery at like three or five or however old he was. In court, he won a settlement of $40,000 that he would get when he turned 18. When Corey turned 18, Corey went on Emperor's website and custom ordered that Emperor 315 we've been talking about. I was working at a place called Primax Vintage at the time, which is a little guitar shop in New Jersey. And um, through them, Corey bought uh, an orange Thunderverb head with two uh, 412 cabs. And he bought a Les Paul, which he immediately broke the headstock off of. He broke a JC or he bought a JCM 900 head and um, uh, a cab to go with it. And he already had the Model T. So we would jam in the basement with all, Corey's essentially would plug into all three amps and just turn it all the way up to the point where like I would be drumming and I could not hear the drums. And I'm a loud drummer. Mark Quinlan would not let me use his drums because he said I hit too hard. <laughs> I think I have serious hearing loss because when we were fucking young and Corey was 18 and got all that shit, like I think that it's crazy to think he got that shit when he was 18 and that was only four years before he passed. Mm. It's like crazy. Cause there's so many just like loud jams where my, my dad talk, still talks about, it. he's like, yeah, you guys would play music and the house would shake. Corey would just plug into all that shit and just rip. And like, we would just doom and stuff. Like, yeah, uh, Corey
2: Corey cared a lot about gear. The first time I ever heard that Model (laughs) T, I was like, I will fucking not be in this room. Like, I can take loud shit, but I fucking will not. That was a whole nother level.
0: Oh, yeah, man. And he tried. I mean, unfortunately, like, tonally, it didn't fit in the super weeks. And that was like a big. You know, argument that we it had was a point of contention, Yeah, big point of contention because he wanted to use his aerodyne jazz bass. That was his bass with the Model T. And we were just like, dude, this this is too mid rangey. Like yeah. we have three guitars in this band. You need to take up like a more scooped bass tone. And he was like, fuck that shit. There's no better amp than the Model T. The Model T is sick. You're right. But like we need you to just like do bass stuff. We're like, you need to play the five string, dude. Like I write all my songs on a baritone and he's like, fuck five strings. And then uh, we got that Gibson endorsement and um, Corey bought the Gibson EB-5. And it was like the first, he like took out a credit card and bought the EB-5 and it was the only thing we ever bought with the Gibson endorsement. Also, part of that was because Chris has... A five-string Fender jazz bass that's really, really heavy. Like, the weight of it is very heavy. Mm. And every time we would make Corey play it, Corey's like, this fucking thing sucks. I fucking hate playing this thing. It's fucking my fucking shoulder up. And fucking. It, it's funny that it forced him to actually go buy a five-string bass, which was much lighter. And it also sounded awesome. Yeah. It was his own bass, not Chris's jazz bass. Like he was cool with playing the five string and then like he liked the fact that he could get really heavy every time i play it man like i can hear his tone like every like when we were working on some of the newer stuff we were working on just like playing some of those lines i'm just like oh man like i wish i could play it like he could because there's just like there's just like a certain sound that you get and like just like his personality just like his 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 being his guitar tone was his bass tone was massive It was all larger than life and it was just like the way he played there's so much power in it and like it just i wish i could emulate it well but there's just like nobody who can take that man's place mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it's good for better or for worse like i don't know it's amazing i loved his tone i loved when we played that one skate park in tampa they had a 8 by 10 cab backlined on stage so Corey decided to bring up his three x 15 and put it on either side of Mikey. So the drums were center and right next to the drums was an eight by 10 on one side and a three by 15 on one side. And since he used the Galleon Kruger 800 RB, you could buy amp it. So he sent all of his low end to the eight by 10 and all of his like mid range and high end through the three by 15 and blasted the audience with freaking bass the
1: audience of I think maybe 15 people and I think it's also important to note that this is the tour with Pedal and Somos right mm-hmm.
0: there's so- more than 15 people there's a decent amount of people at that one
1: but even still like it's with Pedal, who like Kylie's music is like mostly like kind of quieter and like prettier and even though Somos has like some pretty like rock and back beats to stuff it definitely isn't like bi-amp thunderous explosion bass kind of uh
2: Encroaching on Doom. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what
0: he listened to, you know. He's a he's a doom man.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it rocked. Like that's most important. Like, we were blowing all the rest of that stuff out of the water. I loved all the touring with them, they're all like wonderful people, but like just musically, I wonder why we were put on that tour. It was it was totally disparate.
0: I don't know, it was great. I love all I love. I had a great time with a lot of those people, and like yeah. it was interesting to like I don't know watch him interact with a bunch of people because he was a lot younger than all of us, and a lot oh, yeah. younger on those p- than a lot of the people on
1: tour. That was some of his peak Corey interactions on that tour too. I remember Ben uh, Walsh summarized it perfectly, maybe the second or third time because uh, he he joined the tour late. Uh, he was playing uh, guitar for uh, pedal at that time. And it was like maybe the like his second or third day on the tour, and he's talking. And Corey was like just like interrupting and, and interjecting mm-hmm. into their conversation. And I don't know what Corey had said to him because I was like probably 15, 20 feet away, but I just heard Ben respond. So Corey, you uh pretty much only deal in absolutes, huh? <laughs> and it's, I mean, so I'm true. very much the spot, same. bottom. Yeah, we're both
0: very bullheaded, and you know, deal in absolutes.
1: But. There is a uh, inherent kind of like soft, like sweetness that you bring to that, even if you're screaming, which is how you normally speak. Uh, But Corey always had like that 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 constant edge to it, where like you you, it's almost like you lean back and shout all of your opinions, and then Corey is always leaning in and just like more of a more of a hammer effect to it.
3: I think my favorite Corey part of that tour was when he was just laying on the sidewalk in front of the venue. Just like right next to the door, taking up like the middle of the sidewalk and just laying down, smoking a cigarette. He was laying down a lot on that door.
1: <laughs> and uh, there was a venue that we played that was also like a pizza parlor. I don't remember what city it was in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, the green room is on the second floor and had that classic like black and white tile floor to it. And I can just remember like we, you and I were sitting, oh, we were learning, we uh, were submerging the full effect songs. The Super Weeks were sitting on one side of the green room. Uh, Somos and Pedal were scattered along the other side of the green room, and Corey was laying down playing bass on the floor next to us, and he just like s- like slug slid across the ground on his back towards <laughs> Pedal so slowly, just like, like moving inches at a time until he was just like taking up the entire middle of the room. No one stopped conversation to really address it, but there were just like... Glances just like flicking towards him as he like just drug his body across the floor without saying anything. And it took him like a good 10 minutes to make it away all the way across the floor. He liked to kind of be invasive like that.
2: We're going to take a brief intermission here. If you look at your Back phone viewers,
3: uh, we're going to play that video we were talking about from earlier. Okay, enjoy. <laughs> How do you this propose we do that? <laughs> I know. I'm funny.
1: That
2: tour, I think um, we had just given him the responsibility of representing us as our tour manager, but he wasn't the master tour manager. And he he had actually just gotten back from some kind of heritage trip where he went abroad and he came back and he was saying, they lay down the law over there. They lay down the law and nobody fucks with them and that's how I'm going to be now. (laughs) And the first day of that tour, he chewed out the tour manager saying, I think it's bullshit what you're doing here. We were all like, can you chill? It's like the first day, dude. Like, we're not the headliner. Like, please. Like.
0: On that tour, uh, Somos offered to backline their cab, you know? You know, we were playing a bunch of small stages. Somos is like, yeah, you know, let's figure out a gear share. Uh, we have an Ampeg cab. Corey's like, no, nah, we'll bring our cab. You know, we did. But, of course, that's what... Corey's fight with the TM was about was Corey wanted them to take the cab in their van because they had extra room. They were like, we don't have any room for this. And Corey's like, yes, you do. We have, you have room for this. There's no reason we should be getting to the shows three hours early. So you guys can sound check. You should just take the cab. It essentially came down to Corey just being Corey and being like well we're gonna bring my cab it's the best cab why are we gonna use a different cab I'm not gonna use a different cab you can use your own cab but we're gonna use our own cab as a touring musician I do understand how annoying that mentality is but also as a touring musician who is exactly the same as him I agree dude if you got the best shit like you're gonna use it I only give a shit about tone you know I love tone I wanna sound good I love tone (laughs) (laughs) It's an important thing to me, is tone I care lots about tone There, Andrew has made numerous effect pedals for this band Based off of tones that I could otherwise not achieve And I'm very thankful for that I care about tone You know, we gotta
1: have our own This is coming as a surprise to no one Anyone who knows you, even in the slightest They know you love tone
0: Do you know how many guitar amps I love?
3: (laughs) Viewers, if you Long? look at your devices, you'll see uh, the Nard pedal come across your screen.
0: I don't think Mikey understands. <laughs> I don't think Mikey understands quite how podcasts work.
3: Wait, look at your screen now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's one of my favorite Corey stories, um, which I guess that's what we can call the segment. It was a tour Wilson wasn't on. It was Ke- uh, Keon uh, was filling in for us. I think it actually might have been our first big tour, right, Nard, was it?
0: Our or- tour with Brand New?
1: Yeah, and uh, I think it was that with Circus Survive at that point. But it was, um, I think we were in Texas. It was a night off from the big tour, and we were just like playing a filler gig uh, in between. The night before, Corey got super drunk, and so he had like a brutal hangover. So the venue we were playing, they had like 10 bands playing. So there was like no time for changeovers. There was no backline stuff. So it was just like chaos. It was also super dark in there and they had lasers going the whole time. And so, of course, Corey's hungover. So the lasers are just like giving him a monster headache. So he goes into the van and takes Keon's sunglasses, which are these like super nice wood grain Ray-Bans that he got for like a gift for his birthday from his mom that was like sentimental value to them. And Corey puts them on. And gets on stage with us. And the whole time Kian was just, I don't remember how the the kind of conflict started, but Kian was just like trying to get Corey to admit that he had a hangover. And Corey was refusing to admit that he had a <laughs> hangover. And he's like, dude, why do you got to put my sunglasses on right now? And, he, and he's just like, <laughs> oh, the lasers suck. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like what do you mean? And he's like, they're hurting your eyes and they're upsetting your headache because you have a hangover. He's like, no, they just suck. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we played, you know, I don't even remember how the set went. It was probably fine. But as we were loading off stage, we were like, you know, there's a mad rush to get everything off so we can get the next band out of 10 on. And I was carrying the Emperor cab with him and the stage was pretty high. And there was only this small, like, WWF-style, like, weird steps that they just, like, pushed up to the side of it. So it didn't run the whole length of the stage. And he just, like, you know, is going backwards. I'm on the other side of the amp. And he steps off the side of the stage and just fully misses the steps entirely. And so the cab comes tumbling down and nails him in the shin. (laughs) And so he's, you know, he's already hungover, already furious, already had his argument about the lasers with Keon. And so he just (laughs) is, like, he's like, fuck this and he just like rips the sunglasses off of his face and just throws them on the ground and then like runs out of the venue and i'm left hanging with the fucking cab off the side of the stage which is the same size or bigger than my body i could live inside of this cab and fortunately like a nice guy from the other day like runs up and like you know grabs it and it helps me take it outside and but we get it out there and i realize like oh i don't know where those sunglasses wound up i have to go find Keon sunglasses And so I run back in to go look for them and they landed on the steps and I look up and like at the exact moment I saw them, Evan is coming down the stairs with another combo amp in his hand so he can't see his feet in front of him and I try to like shout out to him to stop him and and his foot comes directly down on the Ray-Bans and and crushes them. And like we felt, yeah, do you remember? Yeah, you remember now. We felt terrible and like, I, I was like, I picked him up. I like, had to break the news to Keon that these like really wonderful sunglasses that his mom got him like are destroyed. They
3: fell out of the van.
1: And well, no, he he knew what happened. And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. Can we buy you like a new pair of sunglasses? Like, and he's like, No, nah, man. Honestly, I feel worse for Corey. I couldn't imagine living like that. That was the diplomatic Keon <laughs> at his best. Yeah, that's
0: a very Keon statement yeah. I've ever. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think my favorite Keon story is. Um, Evan was feeling sick, so he brings zinc on the road. And you're never supposed to take it on an empty stomach, which Keon did because he was oh, feeling man. sick that morning. And we were about to hit this diner in the morning. It was one of the first two days of tour. And he got a modest meal inside of that diner. And immediately when we're getting into the car, he projectile vomited all over the ground.
1: It was eggs, right? It just came up, came back out straight, scrambled eggs oh, on the sidewalk. Yeah, that was Long Island. I yeah. remember that. <laughs> I remember that happening. Oh,
0: my goodness. There were multiple times on tour where I have fed Keon something, and he had to go through <laughs> There's When we got to Ohio when we went to K. John's, the hot sauce spot in Cleveland, I was like, oh, here, try this, and he tried it, and he just immediately went to the bathroom and threw up because it was just like crazy spicy and, you know. My tolerance is very high, so I cl- probably had no idea.
1: Well, there's also a trick to sampling the Cajun stuff, where you start with the least yeah. spicy one and you build up your uh, like in the moment your your tolerance to it. You know, it's not. Yeah, but good. you just handed him like a full on like ass blaster, like nasty I'm sure. hot sauce. You yeah. know
0: when when Heart Attack Man and uh, when we were on tour with Heart Attack Man, the Obs, and Heart Attack Man stayed at my house. I was woke up early on the off day on tour, and I made a batch of the uh, Modern Baseball Holy Ghost hot sauce. Oh, that sauce. Awesome. As the guys in Heart Attack Man were waking up, they were walking into the kitchen like, what are you making? And I'm like, oh, hot sauce. They're like, oh, cool, let me try. I'm like, it's real hot. They're like, oh, let me try. And then I just like literally fucked up all of their days. Because that is the hottest sauce oh, I have ever made. Mm-hmm. And that is imagine that being the first thing you ate as soon as you woke up. Ghost peppers, baby. Breathe
3: deep. Couldn't be as bad as that liquor. That, oh my that God, the habanero, uh, oh,
1: what was yeah, it vodka?
0: Was oh, it scotch? No, that was habanero vodka. It was vodka, yeah. The one at the warehouse? Yeah. That was oh, like my lava. God. Yeah, that was Pete Helmes is doing. Everyone wanted to try it. Nightmare and, juice. And then everyone just threw up. Everyone would take a shot of it and run into the bathroom and throw up into the toilet.
1: Yeah, I wasn't even drinking at that time, but I sampled it just to see what was happening, and it... It felt like I had just swallowed a lit match, and like my whole esophagus <laughs> yeah. hurt for the in, through the next day.
0: Peter made it so that you could make margaritas that were spicy, or something. yeah, but no one did. <laughs> Everyone Mary's just drank it out of the bottle. Mary, or sure. Or yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that was a hell of a time, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. man.
3: So. To stay on topic, I have a Corey story that I would like to share. You guys remember being in, I think it was like Montreal? We stayed at a hotel.
1: Oh, the ice cream?
3: Yeah, we had like the gallon of Toronto, ice cream. Toronto,
1: baby. Yeah. yeah, 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 Toronto, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Corey
3: really wanted wings and no one wanted to go. And then I was like, all right, I'll go with you after I put up such a fight.
0: Yeah, he would do these things where he would, like, wouldn't go off on his own ever. And this is actually something, I'll get into this story after you finish this one, but I just want to say this is actually something that to this day, like, that I have, like, a regret about not going that night or, like, not doing more things with him. Because for whatever reason on tour, he would, like, never do things alone. He would always be like, I want to do this. And I'm like, take the van and go do it, bro. And he's like, well, I don't want to do it if nobody else comes. And it's just
1: like. Yeah, I think we took for granted, like, he seemed like an adult, like he seemed, you know, but he, because he was, you know, a giant and he had this, you know, deep booming voice that we all try to imitate, but we can't ever actually do. He was, you know, he was a kid and, and not not to mention, also he was secretly a, like a pretty nervous guy too, but he knew he would never show it. He would never be vulnerable. I actually
2: and, never knew he was nervous until tonight. And you guys all just said this. Mm hmm learning for the first time
1: yeah he definitely dealt with a lot of anxiety but oh, yeah. never never openly and so it, it, it that's where a lot of that tension came from is that he wanted help he expected help but he could never ask for it and so he was always like unsatisfied with how the interactions are playing out um and yeah and i regret it because I, I also you know i, I struggle with anxiety as i don't well. know if
0: help is the right word yeah I'm, i think i'm kind you know, of companionship, maybe. I think he just didn't want to do things support, alone. Support, I should have yeah, said. Yeah, support. Yeah, he wanted support. And that's definitely something I, I feel. I That's what I regret, is just, like, not being, like, the better older brother and being like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'll do this with you, sure, because, like, my personality is, like, I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want, whenever the fuck I want to do it. I want to go get ice cream. I'm gonna take the fucking van and go get ice cream. <laughs>
1: what an like an anti, like that sounded so badass at first, and then it was just like, yeah, I'm gonna get some ice cream, dude. <laughs> I
0: I'm I have many guns and I shoot. No, I like ice cream. That's what I want. I oh, want to go. My get dad some...
1: was here for a second. Oh boy.
0: Anyway, Mikey, sorry to derail that. Oh no. You know. wanted to.
3: So yeah, we stayed in this like. Was it a? Was it kind of a fancier hotel. Yeah, it
1: was G-G a hotel. nice, nice was little like a, hotel. There was, was a pool. Was yeah. it not like a like a multi-level like kind of? Uh, it was a big place. It was like a pretty like, for us. That was a pretty legit place to stay. I thought
0: it was a nice place. Yeah. I, there was Great a big place. pool there. That you know, after yeah. Corey got back, I felt bad for not going to the grocery store, and I you know he wanted to go swimming, so I went swimming with him.
2: Wasn't there a glass ceiling too? And it was snowing. It was snowing
3: yeah. like
0: crazy, yeah, and that's, that's why none of
2: us wanted to leave, because the next morning, you were scraping ice off the windows of the van. Oh my god, this was We also, barely got in.
0: This was our first time in Canada.
3: Not yeah, Corey's first time, right.
0: but that was definitely my first time in Canada. I don't
3: I think remember- it was. With Thin Lips? No, with you.
0: With this? I think this might have been our first time like I think in I, Canada. I, I think I might have
1: played Canada on the Me Without You tour. I don't remember- I never paid attention for any of those hired gun tours, so I, but I, I think that I had played Canada before, I'm pretty sure.
0: Well, I'd never been in Canada. I know Corey had, because he was very excited to bring us to all sorts of places.
1: Poutine. Poutine. Oh, yeah. Mm. He oh, loved, what was that place that he loved, the poutine place?
0: Well, Smokes, and then he also loved Pizza Pizza, which is like fucking dominoes of Canada. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the king of fast food. He fucking loved shitty pizza.
1: Checkers is the best deal in America. I yeah. mean, yeah. he's not wrong. Was it, wrong, it checkers dude. that he was saying? Yeah, it was. yeah, the, was, it's okay, it's yeah.
3: the, the BLT of <laughs>
2: checkers. were that were the best deal in America. It was the best deal in yeah,
3: America. no. Oh, uh, what was? <laughs> I think
2: Little Caesars was another one
0: of I them. I'm thinking of
3: Oliver. What did Oliver want us to eat? So, bad? oh, cookout. He loves
2: cookout. cookout.
0: Oh, I love cookout. Yeah. Uh, Corey would have loved cookout. I had
2: mad cookout last week. I stopped there three times.
0: It's really good.
1: Where is
2: their the cookout? Trail. Nashville.
0: South. Yeah.
1: This we episode of the podcast is brought to you by Cookout. It's not, but. It, it basically is.
3: But look at your screen right now and you'll see some of the pictures of those foods.
0: Uh,
3: <laughs> So we went to the grocery store and I think Corey got chicken wings.
1: That's
3: what or he wanted. A rotisserie
2: so I, chicken. Oh, yeah. I was there. I remember that.
3: And then I got a gallon of ice cream.
0: You each, really you each got a gallon of ice cream. No, 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 no. no. The deal was two. One good. gallon. No, 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 no. Corey got. A quart of ice cream. Oh, okay. okay. Mikey mm-hmm, got a mm-hmm. gallon, right? Of ice tub, cream. which yeah. I just
3: left out overnight <laughs> in, the, <laughs> was, in the hotel room. In the hotel room and in <laughs> soup
0: on your bedside. Yeah. But then we also table. did
3: we bring it? But did we throw it out? Or yeah, we threw, we threw that it, out. Yeah. And then
0: Corey was but, like, yep. Corey went down to the van that night to put his ice cream in yeah. it because it was so cold outside that the ice cream stayed frozen in the van. Mm-hmm. So when we loaded up to To go out the next day, Corey was like, "I'm fucking genius," (laughs) and like fucking just pulled out his ice cream with the spoon inside and just started eating fucking ice cream at ten in the morning. Right, because Mm -hmm.
2: I think the heat wasn't working in the van at that time too, so he could keep eating it. Oh man, oh god, that was brutal. And I would smoke cigarettes, and all you would be dying
3: in
1: the. I can remember like even just putting my feet on the floor of the van if we were driving for a long time when it was cold. My feet would go numb if I had fallen asleep and didn't pick them up. Mm-hmm. How cold it was. Touring, baby. Mm-hmm. Real, real DIY stuff. And
0: then Corey brought us around Toronto and we went to Smokes and he made us stop at Pizza Pizza and, like, you know, do all his Toronto things. And that was cool. And I liked seeing him in his element. And I liked that night. You know, I felt bad not going to the grocery store. And he's like, I want to go swimming. And I was like, all right, I'll go swimming with him. And, like, I swam with him that night and it was a really nice time. And I, that was actually a moment where I was like, I should probably be a better brother and do more things where, you know, I don't know if I can honestly say I did a better job hmm. because as I said, I'm very much like, I'm going to go do this right now. Cause this is what I want to do. And like, I'm pretty selfish and I'm sorry, but also like nobody else, everyone, you know, usually I'm like, what does everyone want to do? Everyone's like, uh, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to go get this thing to eat. I don't really care what the rest of you do. I want to go eat this thing because, as I said before, most of the reason that I tour, aside from the fact that I love music and I love playing music, is because it gives me the opportunity to go other places and eat food. Like the Hot Brown. Yeah, the Hot Brown. Oh, my God. Louisville. Mm -hmm. Man, that was Dangerous ponies days, man. Hot Brown. And Louisville, what, 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 what is eating? a hot brown? It's an open-faced turkey sandwich with brown gravy.
1: I believe cheese, cheddar. Nice. I forget. Did you guys Cincinnati? also? Well, no, in Cincinnati, there's a hot dog thing, right? That's
0: What's the it? yeah, the, the the chili on the hot dog. Yeah, and then
1: there was also another place where you guys got chili on spaghetti, right? That
0: yeah, that place.
1: Yeah, it's the same same. Or restaurant. the chili on
0: spaghetti, that's the thing. Yeah, in Cincinnati.
1: I've
0: had that. It's great. Skyline, Skyline chili. Yeah, Katie loves it. It's her like
1: favorite food. <laughs> I remember you guys were really psyched about deep dish pizza, but that's. Not, oh, but the big Chicago thing, that was the hot dog thing. There was a hot dog place right next to the highway that you guys were like oh yeah. really psyched about. We'd we'll go on Meat Odyssey. You Meat know? Odyssey, that's what it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. We'd get a Polish, some chops, you know. Fucking after that, we'd go to like Al's Beef and get some beef. Okay, like, we fucking ate, dude. Like, that's. It's another thing I appreciated touring with Corey's because Corey, you know, obviously being. The Hulk of a human being, he was, obviously loved to eat, and like that was something that was really cool to share. Just like going across the country, eating different. Granted, all he would want to really do anyway is try all the pizza in the rest of the country. And being from New Jersey, and also working at pizza places for a while, being like, "Fucking pizza sucks."
1: Yeah, he, that's his favorite part, though. He he would just do it so he could complain about it and roast it.
0: He told me the best pizza he ever had in Philadelphia was from 7-Eleven.
3: Yeah, he was a 7 boy. Yeah. That was oh, his favorite yeah. restaurant. Oh,
0: yeah, he loved it. I mean, he loved 7-Eleven pizza. That's why I loved Pizza Pizza and, like, Little Caesars and Domino's and, like, shit pizza like that. Oh, Pizza Hut, dude. He loved Pizza mm-hmm. Hut. Taco Bell.
1: He was also – he was my soda guy. I Like, I barely drink any soda anymore, but he and I would always – get like you know whatever weird soda we could find like I remember when we found that case of dr Wham in North Carolina' we we're psyched about that actually the last time I spoke to Corey he what was his, he had a big Ford sedan right his car
0: was he it? had yeah he had like a Ford uh focus or something
1: yeah and I remember him like
0: Taurus it was a Taurus like a four-door sedan Taurus mm. sedan yeah
1: and I don't remember specifically why I had to get into his car but I was gonna go back up and he's like oh hey, doc Wait a minute. You got to try this. And he pulled out, I think it was a Mountain Dew, not pitch black. <laughs> it was like black candle. Code orange? No, no, no. Code not, red. It, was not code red. it was like, I can't, it, it was might like, have been
0: pitch black.
1: It was some limited edition Mountain Dew. Whatever
0: limited edition he, Mountain Dew came out in May of like 2016.
1: But he had opened it the night before in his car and left it in his car overnight and just handed me this flat, warm fucking soda. He's like, you got to try this. And I like you know took an obligatory sip, and he's like, "It's pretty fucking good, right?"
0: <laughs> Dude, he did that at that was at the philomoca show with Lizard Police. Mm. That was the last show we played with him. It was that that day? That was crazy. Was it? Yeah, that might have been the last time many of you saw him because I only saw him one other time what after about that.
3: Where he cra- where Jake was on his shoulders. He's guitar soloing. Was that his last show?
0: That yeah. was a mobo show. This was a lizard police show. That was. Yeah. Um...
3: Well, no. Well, at least the the mm-hmm. time I'm talking about, I wasn't there for. Oh,
0: maybe we
1: we're talking yeah, about so things. Yeah. So I
0: think that this. I don't think we were. This was a show we played. I think this was a show he went to. Also, this might have been when he was on. Oh, to, yeah, when yeah. he was
2: in Europe. It was in Europe, and he there was showed a clip up online, and the clip was from Europe. He had just he'd gone out. Nobody knew that he was about to do it. And this is just me watching the video recounting this. Picked Jake up on his shoulders and it seemed like he didn't quite make it up.
0: It was, I think that was when he surprised them in London. Mm-hmm. Cause That's they absolutely, didn't, they didn't know yeah. he was going to be out there. And then he showed up to the show and everyone was like, what the fuck? But that, that was cool. That was specifically really nice for him because he really felt like he belonged. Like, that was a funny video to, like, go on your phone and be like, wait, is that Corey? hmm And there's just, like, this giant human being while Jake's playing a guitar.
1: Well, especially because, like, at that time it was, like, a pretty low-res, like, clip that was sent to us, too, so it was, like, kind of hard to make it out.
0: Yeah. That was fun.
1: Yeah. Well, you were talking about, like, regretting not, like, doing more for him. A lot of my memories of Corey are, like, just arguing with him <laughs> about stuff, like... Like, some, some of it, like, didn't really matter, but some of it was, like, bigger things, like, that, like, I felt like most of the time I would get through to him. Do you remember when he and I argued about uh, the Redskins for two hours? And he just, just, like, refused. He was like, he said, what? It's been their name forever. It's, like, a tradition. Like, or whatever his argument was. And, like, having to explain to him, like, why that's offensive and like even if it was a name for a long amount of time that doesn't justify just because you did something wrong for a long time doesn't mean it's now an okay thing to be doing i, I finally made some point like that made him kind of shut down and think about it for a second and he was just like silent because i was driving when while we were having this argument he was in the passenger seat and then he was just like quiet for a really long time and he guess i guess he was just like putting on megadeth or something and just like zoning out and finally like a couple hours later he turned in to me and was like, "Yo, Doc. Fuck you." And I was like, oh, "Okay, I think I got through to him." <laughs> like that's the closest thing you would ever say to like conceding to an argument.
0: I just remember your his the argue the biggest argument we ever had with him was the one about Dave Grohl.
1: Oh, I don't remember this. What,
0: what, what oh is my this? god, I wish I could remember what the argument was.
1: <laughs> just. Was it about like Dave Grohl being good? Dave Grohl. I don't remember
0: what it was about, (laughs) but I remember Corey was so mad about something. I don't know. We were talking about rock music or like Dave Grohl's drumming, and he was probably trying to say like Dave Grohl sucked or something. And we I don't remember (laughs) what that was, and I guess we can't really (laughs) use this because I don't remember. But I just remember that there was like an argument, and it was like an hour long, and he would never drop it. But that's how he was.
1: He was stubborn, man. Yeah, he was uh, He was opinionated. Dude. You got to respect it.
0: He yeah. definitely,
1: he loved to stand his ground on like whatever petty thing he had, he had latched onto that day.
2: And that's actually the thing that I miss about him the most. I miss the deafening...
1: Sheets! Oh my Sheets. God, yes. <laughs>
3: yeah, the... Future <YouTuber>
1: Burger! <laughs> Yeah, for those outside of Wawa country, Sheets is the premier made-to-order uh, food slash gas station hybrid. It's just like a like a cleaner but chinsier Wawa. Two hot dogs for a motherfucking dollar. Yeah, that's another best deal in America, right there. That's the oh, other best oh, deal in yeah. America. <laughs> Do you dude. remember that day that he got a cotton candy donut and he would giggle? And he was while giggling he while he ate it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, dude, oh, what are you I doing? He's like. It's like, I don't know. When I take a bite, it just makes me giggle. <laughs> Dude,
0: it's true. Cotton candy flavor, man. One time he got... When we were all hanging at my parents' house, I guess, practicing for recording or tour or whatever, we went to the grocery store and got ice cream again. Corey got cotton candy ice cream, and mm-hmm. the same thing happened. <laughs> he was eating this little thing of cotton candy, just like giggling. This he was
3: a good foodie, because I like to eat a bunch of crap. Corey liked to eat a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. So... He would always come with me on my shit adventures. (laughs) Like whenever I was like ready to, you know, get diabetes or he would go with me.
0: Oh yeah. And eat the
3: same things that I ate. Mm -hmm. Andrew Wilson tried. And then I learned how to
2: eat from you guys. Before I was a super weak, I, I didn't know how to put on weight, but I learned pretty fast just hanging around you guys. And I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory way. It was a revelation
1: oh yeah for those of you who uh, aren't looking at your screen right now so you can see andrew wilson uh he's a an avid bodybuilder and uh just a, a, a all around beef boy man he
3: has sixty nine abs
1: <laughs> I
0: just think about fucking Mikey in the van with his fucking half gallon of chocolate milk and fucking seventy two <laughs> oh ounce That's coffee the move. Cigarette in one hand, chocolate milk in the other hand, somehow driving the van.
1: But that 72-ounce coffee is also half creamer. <laughs> like, it's not—it's almost not even coffee, technically, no, anymore. No, this man
0: started drinking the coffee black. Yeah. Oh, wait, when?
1: A long
3: time ago. Yeah. Oh, was, okay, was... okay.
1: Because I can remember those early days of touring when you'd go into the Sunoco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was just well, like... Well, you
3: have to use cream and sugar at uh, the shitty to make play, it, like, yeah. the least bit
1: palatable. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I can just drink that nasty brown water, no problem. Ugh, I can't. I'm yeah. a
0: snob. It either has to taste like candy
1: or be really good.
0: Really, <laughs> a very nice light roast. Oh, what's this character? I like this guy. It's my coffee snob character.
1: Nailed
2: it. Wait till you hear the Tonys.
0: Oh my god, the Tonys, dude. Oh, that's a future app. Let's not, let's not. No, spoil I want to talk about that because Corey would try to get. Oh in my on god, that. you're right. He had it the would best be one. Very funny. So we had
1: this goof of. The three Tonys were just like classic Italian audio engineers, like in the mold of your Tony Visconti's, and we would do goofs where we would like have. I mean, I, I, can't, I can only think of Corey's bad example. What were some of the good examples of things that we said? I
0: mean, we would just we would just say shit like, you know, you got that Fender Stratocaster, you plug it into a Fender Twin Reverb, you put a BK five on it, you run it into an LA two a bada bing, bada boom.
1: You're breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> but Corey had his his version one day where he finally chimed in on because I don't even think he participated in it before that. And he said, uh, "Yeah, you take an SM57, you take an SSL, you put them in the same room, you let them figure it out." <laughs> <laughs> and we had to ask him like, "Do you know what an SSL is?" And he's like, "No, I, I got no idea." <laughs> But it was yeah. For for those non-gearheads listening, that's a that's a console. It's a you know.
0: I mean, he's not wrong though. (laughs) We went to Drexel. They had an SSL. You they had plenty of fifty sevens. I fucking put those fifty sevens on the Fender Twin Reverb. I fucking figured it out. You know what I'm saying? That's what you recorded, the Little Black Rain Clouds record? Yeah, that on? record that's sounds like very
1: good. That's, There's no reason for us to that early in our recording careers to have a record that sounds that like You good.
0: Ran into the same tape machine we have in our studio today. It's, uh, oh, did that
2: come from Drexel? That was Drexel's. I didn't, I didn't Ryan bought that. that.
0: Yeah, Ryan set that up for, I guess, Kyle and Joe to buy, and then Lewis bought it from him. Schwabster. Because he was the head of the studios. Ryan does, you know, Ryan masters all our records and was one of our teachers. And, like, I think he's, you know, probably the best best mastering engineer on the planet that I personally know. I obviously
1: don't know.
2: Shout out to Ryan Schwab. And such a beautiful house. Mm-hmm. He will master The Maniac
1: Mansion. Yeah, Named after Maniac a classic uh, video game from the late 80s, early 90s. It's a, it was the, the game before uh, Day of the Tentacle. LucasArts. No no LucasArts heads out there?
3: And if you look at your screen now, you'll see pictures of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that imposing presence in the van, just the way we had to kind of distribute ourselves just to accommodate Corey's like existence. I, I, as I mentioned before, I'm a I'm a fairly small man, so I was often paired with him on the bench together just to like have enough room. When we had like hot sauce bottles with us stacked up, he would sit half on the bench and half on the pile of merch in order to just like be able to fit all of us on the one bench.
0: Yeah, we toured in a, an eight passenger van with one of the benches removed. So there was five seats for five people. Mikey and I are not small by any means. And Corey was bigger than both of us. And it got to the point on tour when we would tour where Corey would have to sit in the passenger seat. It was pretty much Corey would exclusively sit in the front right passenger seat of that van. So
2: because he, he, because he wasn't driving.
0: Yeah, he wasn't driving. He also smoked with Mikey. And like he was also. Did he ever drive? He did. Oh, Corey was the one who's like, "We'll drive overnight. We're gonna go to the hotel two hours. I'll do the drive." And yeah, but he like, would always
1: tap out yeah, like, like immediately half halfway <laughs> through the drive. And then I like, would then I would drive until sunrise. Yeah, or yeah. me. Yeah. one of
0: us would end up driving. We'd be like, "All right." He'd be like, "I got this." And then like twenty minutes into drive, be like, "I okay, can't stay awake." Man. Yeah.
1: Well, you remember that night I took over for him, and he's like, "He's like, don't worry, Doc. I'll be I'll be your co-pilot. Cool I got it." And like. Put in like a Megadeth tape and he's like, Dave Mustaine, he fucking sucks, but that guy could fucking shred. <laughs> and then like, like maybe two songs in, he like, I because he was like talking my ear off for a bit. And then he just like went silent. And I looked over and he was like fully unconscious, like head tilted down. He had all of the tapes under his legs next to him. So I couldn't swap it out for anything. So I listened to that same Megadeth tape like seven or eight times through before sunrise when it finally woke him up. And I was like, dude, you left me hanging. Like, I've been listening to the same fucking Megadeth songs for hours. And the same. The similarly, he was like, yeah, it was fucking sick though. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Do you remember that one time? I don't know if you guys were all up, but I was also driving overnight and he was in the passenger seat and we were pulling up to a toll and he, <laughs> he was like, yo doc, I bet you won't tell this tall guy, instead of saying, Have a nice day, say, Have a nice sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, I'll definitely do that. And so, and this is also when the door was, or the window was broken. So we couldn't roll the window down. So I had to open the door to give the guy money. So I have the door wide open and uh, I had, (laughs) I had like cut in hard to make it into the cash lane. And I like lean all the way out. I hand the guy the money and he says to me, like, oh, Have a nice night. And I said, Have a nice sandwich. And I slam the door and I gun it because like we were already like, you know, breaking up laughing. But I forgot that I carved the wheels super hard <laughs> to get in there. So I crash into like, over the median and we like bounce over the curve and <laughs> then peel off into the night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, good joke. You're dude. like, Joke's on you. No.
1: Oh. Wait, speaking of vomit, all that, that that while ago, do you remember? Oh yeah. We had a documentary crew. They were filming us for a Converse documentary with us on our way to play a show in New York with Joyce Manor, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. And I was yeah. driving because I think Evan, you weren't in the van. You were in a, in a different vehicle, maybe. But we had uh, you know the documentary crew in the back seat with Corey, and he like said to me like, Doc can you pull over? And like I looked around me and we were on the highway. So there was like nowhere, there was no shoulders, nowhere for me to pull over. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll take the next exit. Just give me a minute. And then like, I just heard this like kind of volcanic gurgling coming from behind me. And he... Was just puking like pure water out of his mouth, but he tried to cover it with his hands oh, yeah. and it just like made this like kind of mesh like spray. So it was like a like a <laughs> like an aerosol coming. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And he was also wearing like a big, because it was the winter and he was wearing like a big puffy like down jacket and like all of the splashback because it hit the seat in front of him and splashback all over him and just soaked through that jacket and like. And, you know, on top of the van, the way those windows are designed, they don't roll down. So all he could do was open it the tiny sliver and just try to aim for it.
3: <laughs> but it didn't smell like vomit.
1: It was just water. I think you said you felt too sick all day to eat anything, oh, so he was man. just drinking. But we pulled over to, it was like a Target or Dick Sporting Goods or something, and he just went in, to, took his took yeah. all his clothes off except for his T-shirt, just came back out. And I was like, oh, God, thank God the cameras aren't rolling while this is happening.
0: Uh, I wanted to touch on like, you know, kind of what happened after Corey passed because, uh, you know, in another little blurb, Corey actually passed away, um, like four days before better heavens got mastered. And, um, you know, we did that whole record with him. Like we did it live. Like we were talking about all those magnesium chews, all that weed You know, tons of, like, Chris and I spent probably an actual month mixing and remixing and messing around with that record. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Corey would come in and tweak things. Andrew was fucking always there messing with shit and, like, guiding the way and fucking, you know, with the ideas and the sounds and just sherping and, you know, Mikey drummed and fucking came (laughs) (laughs) and smoked weed. And it was sick and we all did our things. And I don't know if that was a great representation of everything, but I just remember like an ungodly amount of time making that record. Like we just like put our lives on hold, Mm -hmm. you know, at that point in our life, like the year before we somehow managed to get a booking agent and go on all of these big tours,
2: not just any booking agent, Andrew Ellis.
0: Yeah. From APA who Andrew, you know, he. He's the
2: reason that Converse sneakers are a thing because he put them on a kid at the beginning of Smells Like Teen Spirit video and then Chuck Taylor's took off.
0: I don't know. He's a very revered person and a legendary guy and it was like, you know, amazing to get put on all these big tours. Corey and I, Corey lived in Philly for a period of time, a few different periods of time. Right around that time period, I was at the gym with Corey. I, you know, met him at Planet Fitness and we were working out and it was just like, I got to tell Corey that uh, we got offered to go open for Brand New on tour, and like obviously nowadays Brand New isn't looked at in such a good light. 2015, this was before. Yeah, no one. This knew. might have even been 2014 because our record, like our record, got released on that tour. I got to just like tell Corey, like, yo, we got offered to go open up for Brand New. He, I just like can see him. He was doing chest, like the thing where you put your arms up to your chest and like you do kind of crunches like a crunch machine. And he was like, no fucking way. You're fucking with me, right? No fucking way. And I was like, no dude, like, isn't this crazy? And I like showed him the email and shit. And he was like, this is fucking crazy. He's like, I don't believe it. That's so sick. And like, just like watching him get so excited and like, damn, it's so crazy that I'm just thinking about like the amount I've spent touring with Corey is significantly less than the amount of time he's actually been gone. Like, we only toured pretty much for two years, mm-hmm.
2: like, heavy. But we, we toured the hell out of those two years. I yeah. know.
0: And it's like, to think about this is wild to me. Like, that was 2015. Corey died in May of 2016. Like, that record, that better or bad, bad year, year came out April 7th, 2014, or 2015. So it's like, wow. We only did like one good year of touring, mm-hmm. and like we toured the hell out of that year. We did so many tours, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I guess we did touring before that. Like we went to Fest. We always did Fest on Corey's birthday. Right. Corey turned twenty-one in uh, Charlotte, and Andy and Beth, you know, bought, oh, well, Andy bought him. Andy bought him a that? shot of whiskey. He's like, I'm not drinking that.
1: What's the name of that that venue too? The <laughs> Milestone. Some, the Milestone.
0: Andy's like, here, happy birthday, and Corey's like, I'm not drinking that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just like Damn. oh didn't he even say anything he just he kept his mouth closed and just shook his head at him yeah so we were on stage too right yeah yeah well that was afterwards
0: that was after afterwards. crossed his arms shook his a, head
2: we started a happy birthday and he oh hated. my god <laughs> he yeah it.
0: you guys can go on YouTube and actually watch us do the happy birthday yeah, we I, did I it well, That was that at fest yeah. that was at well, fest yeah
1: not the milestone don't worry
3: about it just look at your screen right. Now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll stop. Getting so, so uh, I like that keep, bit. Keep That's a good going. bit.
0: <laughs> um but yeah, I just remember like I just remembered at that show at the milestone, my mom sent me eighty dollars to like she sent me eighty dollars and was like, take Corey out to a night or a hundred dollars oh, and was yeah. like take Corey out to a nice dinner. And I was like, Okay. I said, Corey, mom sent us a hundred dollars. Where do you want to go for dinner? And Corey was like I'm gonna go to Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I remember we went to Taco Bell and Corey got twenty dollars worth of Taco Bell, which like is no easy feat. Like that's so much food. And I remember we went back to the milestone with all this Taco Bell and like a burrito like somebody took a burrito that Corey had brought back from our merch station. Like there, you know, he left the burritos there, and he's like, "Yo, where the fuck is my burrito?" And like somebody during the show stole his one of his burritos.
1: Oh yeah, I remember this.
0: <laughs> I don't
1: know, Are you I, a fan or? Well, I dude, I don't know. I
0: just remember somebody he was like, "What the fuck?" But then he was like, "I don't need a burrito. Anymore. I'm full." Because he ate twenty fucking dollars of Taco Bell for his
1: birthday. Well, I guess was, he he ate nineteen dollars of yeah. Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he
0: was also smart because he spent the rest of that money at Fest on Taco Bell.
1: <laughs> oh, that's also another one of like my favorite things of getting to play as the full effect with Corey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we mm-hmm. did. Uh, mm-hmm. James asked us to play with him at the Beer Fest in Atlantic City. In Atlantic City, yeah.
0: The night his mom died.
1: Yeah, she passed that morning, and James just, like, we asked him if he wanted to cancel, and I, I don't remember how he phrased it, but he was like, no, I, I need to do this, let's let's just... But his, his one caveat was that he wanted all of us to drink with him as much as he was going to drink. Yeah. Fortunately, Mikey was level-headed enough to just, like, not part right? You'd not partake in yeah. this... Cause yeah, Because we had to play the backing tracks, because he has crazy amounts of layering and his, his live stuff, so Mikey's playing to a click the whole time. So Mikey was the backbone because 50% of the, the, the way through that set, I checked out. Like, I I think I just blacked out. I don't remember, like I, But just like getting you to do that. flawlessly. That's It didn't great. affect your performance. It's all, no, it was
0: a great. It was a lot of fun. That
1: yeah, set. That was the, I mean, because we played the biggest big crowds on those big tours, but that was like feeling like that crowd was there for us and being the headliner and getting to do that with Corey, even if it wasn't our stuff that we wrote together, it just like, I'm, I'm glad that we got to have that with him. Yeah. He, 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 deserved that rock star Same. experience. His, I mean, also we got
0: the rooms at the casino and stuff and Corey was just like, you know, flipping Yeah. And, racked oh, up yeah. a bill, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, I just remember like, you know, I would look, I don't know if you guys remember his, like his head nod when he's like, his like, yo, I got this look, mm-hmm. but he would just do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> You just do, uh, you know. If you, uh, you know, look on your screen now, <laughs> you'll so see yeah. the Corey head nod, yeah, a
1: GIF of him, yeah.
0: He like kind of squints his eyes. He kind of yeah, just like raises his up, chin. Man. He's like, "What's yeah, up? Quick, like, yo, I got this flick shit." Of the chin, yeah. And he like, "Oh man, he." I just like see him, like so vividly through that crowd, just like see him at a bar right now after we played, and him just being like. What's good? You know, give me the head nod. And I'm just like, he had such a good fucking night there. And, like, we all had such a great night. And that was, you know, one of the last shows we played with him. It Definitely practicing for the Reggie shows was, like, a bit rough. Because Corey definitely didn't do his homework. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, he pulled it off in the end. He fucking ripped it. Mm -hmm. And, like, that might have been one of the best. That might have been the best set I've ever seen you play, Mikey. Yeah, you you Like, not for nothing. Like, I'm not saying you've ever played a bad set. But, like. It's
3: probably the only
2: set I've ever played to a J- James,
0: and it was James
2: told you you were the best drummer he's ever had.
0: Yeah, you were fucking perfect. It was insane. I got to play in one of my favorite childhood bands, and the band was like, f- like you were perfect. I don't know James how the rest man. of us were. James was fucking wasted, and like talking about cocaine and it was just funny and porn he being did, depressing. He did great. Uh, I have
1: zero recollection of any of that.
0: I just like, I just remember it being such a great time. And like, I'm so glad that Corey got to share that with us. And I got Mm -hmm. to share that with him. I remember now what I was talking about, about 20 minutes ago, better heavens. When we did it, Corey passed away four days before we mastered the record. We all went to get the record mastered. And like, I remember we all went to the bar afterwards Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a weird somber Happy, but like
2: Look, local something. Local forty four, yeah, forty four, right.
0: I just also remember, like, for months that summer, I just like stayed down the shore. Corey, before Corey died, he said he was gonna do the album art for that record. I don't know if you guys remember that, mm-hmm. but he was like, "I'm gonna do the album art for this record." We were like, "Okay, Corey, whatever." And he like literally went and bought paint and canvases. Cause he was serious and he bought like a sketch pad and shit and like all sorts of art supplies. He did end up doing one painting and it was like a mother's day card to my mom. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which says like you actually, it is actually, if you open the gatefold vinyl, you see the mother's day card without the words. It says, I love you mom on it. But we took that out and just like did his watercolor, which was like a heart. And it's like really nice. It's really cool and cute. Corey did end up doing the art because there's this image that uh, he called a Mona Lisa. Well, actually on the image, it says the Mona Lisa, but he changed it to a Mona Lisa because he would refer to paintings as Mona Lisa's. So um, the image on that cover is something that my brother did in art class when he was 13 years old and he only did it because on the backside of it, there was a clearly phoned in pencil drawing of what looks like the king on the back of a playing card. And there was a, an F on it and it, it said, do it again. So he literally flipped the paper and he made this portrait, which eventually I found out like is a little close to... Um, a Salvador Dali piece that I've seen, and I was like, damn, okay, I see you're ripping off the grates. Like, you know, artists, uh, what do they say? Like...
2: Geniuses steal.
0: I don't know. I've always loved it, and like all my friends always loved it. Eight years before that, I found it on my parents' microwave and was like what is that's where we put all the papers from school and whatever i was like what is this thing corey was like oh it's a fucking piece of shit from our class man. it just <laughs> fucking sucks and i was like okay i think it's sick i'm gonna take it he's like yeah whatever i took it and i and my friends at the warehouse taught me how to make a screen and taught me how to print it so i started printing it on everything and like i would just give all these shirts out to the people who would come through big mamas
1: i still have my shirt from your that og first print. one yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: John Bacon wore it on a raincoat that he wore on national TV. You can see the fucking image on national TV in like mm-hmm. twenty fourteen. That that was sick. Like, and then, you know, eventually Corey came to me and was like, Yeah, you think I can get that back? And I was like, What dude? You said that shit sucked. He's like, Nah, it's pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> Just like uh, and you know, trying to kind of beat around the bush. Eventually I framed it after he passed I framed it and was just like I talked to the rest of the band and was like you know I think this should be the album art we opted to choose that that painting that he did and I did the uh, I hand wrote all the rest of it to kind of go with the vibe I, I hand painted it he did end up doing the art in the end and that's that makes me smile and I'm happy that he was able to do that and I hope people appreciate it because I think that still to this day like that painting's hanging on the wall in my house, like right, you know, in the common area, right where everyone hangs out, along with Chris's painting that Eric Kennedy did, the cover of Bad Year, and like another painting Corey did of a bleeding clock tower in space,
1: mm-hmm. which with, the, with he wanted <laughs> to say four twenty on the clock face. What did he put oh, it on? Yeah. That was a shirt. He it's fucked a, it is, up. It says like 4:15. It's something. no,
0: it's backwards. It's like the where you know the four and twenty are switched. No, so, four is twenty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but they're separate. They're pointing at two different things. Oh yeah.
2: Oh dude. It's a, it's
0: at 8:40. <laughs> it's an amazing fucking painting. Corey also had that tattooed on the back of his leg, and then for that Europe tour, we made the Bleeding Clock Tower T-shirts, mm-hmm. which was actually the Corey's tattoo. That is actually Corey's tattoo. Um, That was like the sketch that was put on the paper beforehand. Uh, Fortunately, Jameson is a friend and was able to give us the art, and I greatly appreciate it. I think it's so fucking cool. Mm -hmm. That is really cool. But that's where that image came from. What I ultimately wanted to get to was like after Corey passed, you know, a few months later when my parents were done, like going through all the legal shit with him, they were like, here is – three grand you can have Corey's of cory's savings because you know like i said he got that forty thousand dollar settlement when he turned 18 which my parents promptly took away after he bought all of those amps <laughs> um and then he you know let my sister borrow twenty two thousand dollars to buy a house and shit and like you know my brother was an amazing person like that i have so much respect for that and of course she paid him back and like you know my family i i'm very blessed to have a You know a a kind family that gets along I was given that three thousand dollars and like at a point in my life where I had nothing because if you're a musician you probably feel it like you know you work minimum wage so you can just make your art but in the end you just end up working a ton and you're too tired to work on your art and it's just like this fucked up cycle that keeps on going you got to learn to work smart not hard the point that I'm trying to make the $3000 had come from Corey. A few months later, Modern Baseball asked us to tour Europe with them. And we were like, well, we got to do it. Our records, you know, going to come out. So we had to do it. And we had to figure out, you know, what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. Eric Osman, who ran Lamo Records and Ian Farmer, who's the bass player of Modern Baseball, were my roommates at the time and like kind of sat down with them. We figured out how much everything was going to cost and like that money that Corey gave or, you know, Corey left me, or my parents gave me, however you want to put it, was just enough money to buy everyone plane tickets to Europe, front the cost for our merch for that trip. You can look at it as paying out of pocket. We may not have made all that money back. I like to think that Corey allowed us to be part of that experience, because I also know, had Corey still been alive, Corey would have just been like, Here's my credit card. Fucking put it all on the credit card. Because that's just the type of person he was. He'd done it before. One time our van broke down, needed a new fucking transmission. And my brother was like, Yeah, put it on my credit card. It's fine. You can figure it out later. And I'm just like, Damn, dude. That's, that's real. I appreciate that. His kindness was something else. Like, I know we haven't touched on that a lot, but he was, you know, very much a gentle giant. I feel very blessed that we were able to go to Europe and do that tour and do many of the things we've done since then, which hasn't been much, but like, you know, been able to go to Europe, do that tour, pay for all that stuff, not have to like break the bank and we're able to like have an enjoyable time out there with our buds, modern baseball and thin lips and like God
2: summers too.
0: Oh, summers. It was such a, such an incredible experience.
2: Summer. Some
0: <laughs> But I just wanna to go out on that note and talk about like how Corey was even though he wasn't with us, he was still there with us and he enabled us to do that. And like I'm grateful that, you know, that was kind of his parting gift was to the band was like, Here you go, this is what I can do for you since I'm not there to be there with you. I'm grateful for that and I'm grateful for all the time that we had
3: Gotta say, Corey's death was very odd to me because I was out with my band, uh, Thin Lips at the time. We were on tour with Modern Baseball. And Joyce
0: Manor, right? Like all good friend like all people Corey knew.
3: Yeah, everyone on the tour knew Corey. It was nice to share space with people who were also going through the same thing. I feel like it it didn't really hit me for a while. It was just so odd because I missed it all so much had happened but i just i wasn't there for it so it was like hard to internalize and i remember when we were when evan had got better heavens pressed is when like it finally started to hit me and i was like realizing that we're doing this for for him Mm -hmm. just like uh even still it's hard to believe it's been five years
0: 2016 yeah four years four and a half years at this point
3: he had a smile that would light up a room and, and a laugh that would fill it. He was a beautiful person. He had many, many fun, idiotic times on the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> many arguments that you can only look back on and laugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we
3: had it out. Just because I was like the older brother, has it? I, I think we were assumed all that was, Yeah I know Yeah right? we were
1: all His older brother Obviously Evan First and foremost yeah. But we, we all kind of Took on But Evan role. never handled
3: Anything like we did
0: <laughs> Yeah yeah it, we, we
1: We're more direct With it yeah
0: Well he just knew That I'm the same as him So if we were gonna Have an argument Neither of us Was ever gonna None of us Neither of us Would be right Cause we would both Be like I'm right And he's like I'm right And mm. we're like no, you're not, and that's the end of it. And both of us would say that at the same time, essentially, <laughs> and that would be the end of the fight. Yeah, We would just never see eye to eye on that thing, and that's it.
3: But I feel like when Corey needed to learn something, and I very much learned the same way, like you have a conversation about it, you feel like your back's against the wall, and then you have some time to think about it, and you come around and you learn.
0: He
1: didn't want to show you that. He yeah, was, yeah, yeah, he would never admit it, but he, but he, he would show you in his own way. Like, was like I was saying before, Yeah. Just like him coming back to and starting a new conversation peacefully instead yeah. of starting the argument up again is kind of his way of showing that he had processed it. but I, I mean, I remember that day though when when you told me that he, you texted me I, I didn't like I was on my way up to see my my nephew at my my brother's house and uh, I don't know exactly what you said, but I couldn't believe it. I probably said, dude, Corey died. Yeah and I said, what are you joking like what what are you saying? And you said he, he died. I'm on my way home right now.
0: I was in no place to call anyone.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: then and then you had shot us text messages. I remember I was in the backyard of my parents' place in Ocean City, New Jersey, and my immediate reaction was fuck you. Like why the fuck would you tell a joke like that? Like that that's is, the there's same, nothing fucking that's funny. That's the same about response.
1: That. That's how I felt when Evan told me. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just sat there. Like my family was like I told them what was happening. They, like, briefly offered condolences, but I don't think they knew what to say to me either. And I just sat on the couch in my brother's house for hours while my family just continued to do what they went there for. And I can remember the months afterwards, like, every time I saw a giant guy with a beard, with, like, a curly, you know, because he had, like, an exceptionally curly beard, and I, really, I would think it was him for a second. Anytime I saw, like, a big guy with, like, Air Jordan style shoes. I don't remember <laughs> specifically, but like, like those big kind of clunky basketball shoes that he had and a hat. I I would think it was him again for a second. It's impossible to really process. It was so sudden. It didn't make any sense. And I, I still think about him every day with like different things that I do that make me think about him. Anytime I buy soda, I, I always think about Corey. And I don't, I've been trying to be better to my, to my teeth and my body. So I'm not doing it as much but I I always think about him I always like anytime I listen to Iron Maiden especially I I always think about I always think about Corey I don't listen to Megadeth in my free time he didn't convince me (laughs) no thanks but Iron Maiden I I don't know I just think about those moments of fuck you doc when he would say something like that or just hey, like, fuck you. Yeah. Or would he would just, he would do like his big lazy punch that he would do, like, like as a friendly gesture. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that slow. He's like, just like kind of just really just pushing you with his fist. But it was like pretty forceful. Because mm-hmm. of course it had to be. He was, you know, it was like getting nudged by the moon. Like he was just so. <laughs> I, I, I knew him since he was 13. Even then, right when we lived on Pine Street, right? That was uh-huh. the first time I met him. Pine,
2: that was the first time I met him too. Yeah. I thought Corey was older than you.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Checks well he had out. this
1: super long hair then too, so his face was totally obscured. That first night he picked in uh, he picked a fight with me about something. I don't even remember what it was. But I remember <laughs> oh, like, I'm the sure. first day I met him we argued about something for like an uh, hour and a half and I have no idea. He was what probably it was.
0: like fucking thirteen yeah thirteen years old and yeah. he's probably like fuck you Chris you don't know what you're talking about.
1: I feel like he, he was like a like a tempering factor for all of us. Like like what you know they do to strengthen a sword. Like, he challenged us constantly in ways that always served to to benefit us in some way. Yeah. He really. was just, like, a lovable, special pain in my ass that <laughs> I'm just, I'm so glad to have known and gotten to make music with.
2: I miss him being a pain in the ass. That's the thing that I miss more than anything. All the shit that we would have thought that, like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want. Mm-hmm. I'd kill for another day of that shit. Of that stupid shit. I That's all I think about. To argue and I think about, about him every day, too. I think about that shit yeah. every fucking day.
0: What else can you say? Yeah. One thing I want to say is, at Corey's celebration of life, it was amazing the outpouring of people who came out who truly loved him it was like incredible to see everyone there we filled this fucking church ironic it was at a church because it's Corey. fucking fucking religion fucking idiots fucking just Corey thinks everyone's idiots the out like how many people came up from philadelphia how many bands that we toured with how many people that he affected so many people were there and like i can just see that room filled and i think Think my parents were so surprised and like loved it. Greg Lebold drew this beautiful chalk mural that my mom got tattooed on her arm. I don't know. I don't think anyone could have guessed. I mean, like we could have guessed. I don't think I even realized like how many people he touched and how many people cared about him. And like he genuinely was like the sweetest pain in the ass mm-hmm. out there and everyone loved him for it. Like he's somebody you need, you know, he would tell you exactly what was on his mind, whether or not you wanted to know it. And he didn't care if you wanted to know it or not. Everyone needs somebody like that. And I'm grateful that I had that. And I'm grateful that I got to see everyone come together. Fucking every musician from Philadelphia that, you know, he respected and loved was there. Fucking one of his favorite songwriters of all time, who is one of his friends, Peter Helmus, you know, wrote the Yankee Bluff song Grateful Dead about Corey. And that song still makes me cry to this day. The way that he immortalized my brother in that song is something that even I have never been able to do. And I don't think I can do. I don't think I'm even going to try to do it because of the way that Peter did it is just... So perfect. I mean, if you haven't heard the song Grateful Dead by Yankee Bluff, it's literally about driving around in Corey's fucking Ford Taurus with him blasting the Grateful Dead smoking cigarettes because that's what Corey did. Drink Mountain Dew and drive his Ford Taurus <laughs> smoking cigarettes and you couldn't go in his fucking Ford Taurus because the air was so stuffy. That song, dude, it really just like perfectly encapsulates spending time with him and I appreciate peter so much for that and i appreciate just like having that memory to listen to to remind me
1: i remember driving around with him in that car when he had like no gas in it and it had the digital readout that told that told you how many miles i had left and there was one time i was sitting in there with him and it said he had two miles left and i was like dude shouldn't we go get gas for your car and he's like that doesn't mean shit. I know when it's going to run out. <laughs>
0: yeah, because his fucking brain was connected to the
1: gas tank. <laughs> I remember
3: after he passed, his Budweiser jacket remained in the van in the front mm-hmm. seat. I remember like getting home from a tour, and I would drop everyone off, and I'd be driving home, and I would start talking, and I would look to my side because I could like feel someone there, and it would be no one, and I'd be like, I'm talking to my fucking self. I, mean, I know I had just been in a van with my favorite idiots for the longest time, but his energy was definitely with us, I and mean, it'll always be with us. But mm-hmm.
0: it's in that jacket, dude. <laughs> uh, that's this seems like a good place to conclude for the week. <laughs> Hopefully, we will do more of these. Maybe
2: this has been the Super Week Supercast.
1: Wait, that's not what we called it. <laughs> Wait. Super weekly The Super Week Super Weekly Super Pod. No, Supercast shit. So we gotta figure this out because the
2: clip's about to end. Oh well just look at your
3: phone, uh viewers at home.
1: And well, this time that's actually true. <laughs> oh man! Mikey, you hold it all together! <laughs>